We have to go back! Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today we are reviewing the 1988 skyscraping classic, Die Hard. And also, Grayson, I don't know if you feel it in the air, but I'm feeling a little Christmas in July. Oh, yeah. But I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad we did it. You know? I'm glad it happened. Yeah. I think we were about to start the beginning of a very dangerous tradition of trying to find a christmas movie that we can review during the summer oh man there's always iron man 3 <laughs> yeah. uh, so in case you need a little bit of a refresher um die hard it's the movie starring bruce willis and it's Christmas Eve, and we all know what that means. It's time for everyone to get together and be with their loved ones. And it's time for Alan Rickman to take some time off from Hogwarts and do what any other muggle would do during Christmas time. Rob a skyscraper. And armed with nothing but a very dirty tank top and literally no shoes on his feet, Bruce Willis has to stop Snape from getting the snitch in the vaults i think no i th- i think that's accurate uh yeah and speaking of literature uh die hard actually has a source dating back to a book roderick thorpe uh wrote a book called the detective and the book is all about uh a gritty cop who you know does cop things and they actually made a movie about it uh starring none other than frank sinatra Whoa. Yeah, and that movie came out in 1968. Uh, and so uh, Roderick Thorpe uh, wrote a sequel to that novel, and that sequel was called Nothing Lasts Forever. And he was actually inspired by the actual movie Towering Inferno, uh, which mm. basically follows people, you know, with a giant skyscraper being the setting, people running against the, the a building on fire, a towering inferno, if you will, and uh, trying to beat the bad guys in the building. And he said, hey, what if there's a cop in there doing all this stuff? And that's where you get the premise for what would later on become Die Hard. Now, originally, uh, Die Hard was supposed to be a sequel to The Detective, and due to contract uh, details, uh, Frank Sinatra had to be the first person who was offered the role. Um, but he had declined it because he was 70. Um, and then they basically, (laughs) you drive a hard bargain, but I'm 70. Mm -hmm. So yippee ki yay to me. Uh, and so after, uh, Sinatra declined, uh, they kind of retooled the movie, uh, to be more of an action movie for, you know, the everyone's lovable action hero in the 80s, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, but then uh, he declined it, and then they said, let's get the guy from Moonlighting, yeah. Bruce Willis. Um, and actually, Bruce Willis was not their first, second, or even third choice. He was only really kind of known as somewhat of a comedy actor, right. and he actually didn't make it onto the original poster. The original wow. poster was just the the skyscraper just on fire. 
Wow, like, that's that was rough. it. Like they added him in later. So they were like, Bruce Willis, you don't have enough of a draw with your face. We actually think this tower on fire is going to draw in more people. That's a rough day for Bruce Willis. How do we say this, Bruce Willis? We want your face off the poster. <laughs> oh. And someone in another studio is like, what's that you say? Could you say it louder and into the microphone? <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it is interesting to see him this early in his career because there really are two types of Bruce Willis movies. One where he has hair and one where he yes. doesn't. And this is one where he has hair. Um, so it's uh, kind of an origin story, if you will. I think it's fun. This is a fun game to take Die Hard and uh, justify swapping it with some of the titles of his other films. Like, I think if Sixth Sense and Die Hard had swapped titles, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> Died Hard, he's got like a... Or, even better, <laughs> Unbreakable. I Like, Unbreakable works for both of them. More recently, Death yeah. Wish. I mean... If this had been called Death Wish, you'd be like, yeah, I totally get that. And if Death Wish had been called Die Hard, you'd be like, yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Or if Die Hard was called The Kid, it would make a lot of sense <laughs> as to, um, like, the third act cameo with his kids. Yeah, like, oh, kid. that's the kid ah. that they're talking about. Like, and then we home. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a fun game. You know, play at home. Just take a Bruce Willis movie, swap it with Die Hard, and try to justify the title. It's a game where everyone wins. Everybody wins. It, beyond just Bruce Willis movies, this I feel like Tower Heist would have been a great uh, name for this. Oh. And then, you know, they picked it up later. My favorite fact about Tower Heist, though, the movie we're not reviewing this episode, is that in some <laughs> countries, that title was translated, Tower Heist became How to Steal a Skyscraper. Which is just like a wonderful concept. It's like um, a children's book for the children of henchmen. <laughs> henchmen kids need bedtime stories too. So also interestingly enough, uh, this was Alan Rickman's film debut. Really? Um, and he, yeah, this was him, his film debut. He had been in California for four days before he uh, auditioned for this role and got it. And he didn't like the idea of his first role on film being that of a bad guy. So you can actually watch this on, if you own like the DVD and watch the five-minute featurette, it's him saying in the interview saying like, I don't really see my character as, a, actually I'm sorry, I don't see my character as a bad guy. Uh, dead on, Alan Rickman. Um I see him more so as someone who wants something and will do anything to get it in scene. Pretty good. Yeah, thanks. It was real touch and go there at the beginning, yeah. um, much like the heist. So this movie <laughs> uh, was made for $28 million and grossed over $140 million worldwide. Um, and it did really well in the box office, but critics didn't know how they felt about it. Um, and I'll tell you how Fox felt about it. Great. Um, and the movie then sprung the Die Hard franchise, Ooh, including yeah. its sequels, Die Hard 2, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Live Free or Die Hard, 
A Good Day to Die Hard, and the upcoming reboot in the works, Die Hard, colon, based on the novel Pushed by Sapphire, which I'm really looking forward to. Hey, Ricky, do you know how much you just got my hopes up with that joke? It was devastating. (laughs) I'm so sorry. I do like the title of Die Hard 2 because some of the posters say Die Harder. I think they could have taken it a different direction and made the die part plural to become dice hard. And then it's just a Jumanji <laughs> prequel. It's like, well, you know, there was a rash of movies where they converted board games into films like Clue or, or Battleship. Uh, and this one was the movie for Jenga. But you don't use dice in Jenga? <laughs> Until now. Yeah, I'm waiting for that Jenga movie. Uh, now, Die Hard also spawned a number of video games, a comic book, and later in 2017, it was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry, which we all know will be the plot of a future Die Hard sequel where they have to try to steal the preserved version of Die Hard. Oh, man. It's just inevitable. It's just, it's the National Treasure Die Hard crossover sequel. I'm going to do it. I'm going to steal the copy of Die Hard. Ah, uh, yep. And then we can all finally get Nicolas Cage saying, yippee ki yay. Yippee ki yay. <laughs> now, Grayson, mm-hmm. how much would it surprise you if I were to tell you that much of this movie was improvised? I, I actually would believe that because I wrote down in my notes that uh, I don't think anybody talks to himself better than Bruce Willis, except for maybe Tom Hanks and Castaway, because that guy's just talking yes. to himself. And it's not like when people pretend to be on the phone and you're like, there's nobody on the other end of that phone. He's legit having a conversation with himself. Oh, what are you doing, John? Oh, because you'd be dead. That's why I'm just like, no, I believe he's having this dialogue with himself. Uh, Yes, much of the script was improvised, mostly due to constant uh, screenplay tweaks uh, while they were filming. Uh, But the famous line, uh, which we will officially refer to as yippee Kaye, Mr. Falcon, for the duration Mm -hmm. of this podcast. um, With the one exception allowed of yippee Kaye, Michael Fassbender. (laughs) Whichever you shall choose, those are your options. That will... That will also be allowed. Um, that line was credited to Bruce Willis. He came up with that line, and he didn't think it was going to make it to the final cut. He just said it in character, and then it became the thing. And last little fun fact I wanted to add in is uh, the Nakatomi Tower that was overtaken by the terrorists um, is actually, and still is, the 20th Century Fox headquarters, the special effects artist coordinated and pleaded with Fox to say, can we please destroy your building? And they were doing it while it was still um, a functioning building. And so while they're, you know, they have floors of the building that they just use and like below them are a bunch of lawyers <laughs> just like, hey, we're about to shoot off a bunch of guns. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Uh, and they like really did like destroy like part of the front of the building with like that tank and they tried to do all these different effects and it was an actual functioning building um, and they were given very limited time to actually shoot 
um, all the explosions on the rooftop. Like they they did it with their own building, and I think that's amazing. All right, now we're gonna go take a stroll on by quote corner, shall we? Oh, looks like these quotes just got cornered. Yeah. <laughs> There are so many iconic quotes from this movie that I um, I tried to focus on ones that just struck me as particularly funny. So like we've touched on Yippie Kaye a little bit. There's some other ones, um, but my first quote. And here's the thing: we don't really swear a lot on this podcast, if at all. So Ricky, uh, what was the last thing you ate today? Applebee's. All right, I'm gonna replace any profanity with the word Applebee's. Uh, so my first quote is, it's going to need a paint job and an Applebee's load of screen doors. I love that <laughs> quote. Uh, my other one is, I got 100 guys down here and they're all covered in glass. <laughs> uh, and, and then finally for me, this is right after the helicopter explodes. It says, we're going to need some more FBI guys, I guess. <laughs> That was great. All right. Now we're going to go into our reactions. Now, Grayson, when Mm -hmm. was the first time that you actually watched Die Hard? I think the first time I watched Die Hard start to finish was probably halfway through college. Um, Kristen, who joined us for the Scream episode, uh, this is her favorite Christmas movie, uh, as she would say. So um, (laughs) uh, she introduced me to this movie, and uh, it was one of those where it's like, why have I not been watching this all my life and i mean to be honest it was probably all of the instances of applebee's but i was uh really (laughs) glad that i eventually got to see it uh but it's such a fun movie so this is my first time watching die hard really i don't i don't know how it happened but it is i watched a lot of cartoons growing up and i didn't realize that my parents were like protecting me from you know other things like explosions and yeah. language and yippee kaye mother applebee's yeah, exactly yeah. like i didn't know i so basically cartoons and kids content just became my preference and mm-hmm. that's just what i grew up liking and watching the most of and so didn't really get into out of like a kind of like kids genre until like maybe high school and like seeking out other movies that were more, you know, age appropriate, I yeah. guess. All that to say is Die Hard just never made its way into my home or my eyes until <laughs> it was time to review it for the podcast. Uh, and, but watching it, this is one of the movies that I've heard so much about. Um, as we mentioned in our teaser, we are both big Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans and, uh, Andy Samberg, who plays Jake Peralta, really loves Die Hard. So as much as he referenced it in the show, um, and I, I've seen other movies that have been inspired by Die Hard and all these other things, this is such a legendary movie that watching it, it's one of the few movies that I've seen that has this kind of like acclaim that holds up so well. Also, the unsung hero in this movie, like, at the as soon as the credits were rolling, I told my wife, I was like, I cannot believe that people have not been telling me about Die Hard, the movie about the friendship between Bruce Willis and Reginald Val Johnson. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. 
I've never seen a better buddy cop. Like, I thought Rush Hour was for me. Rush Hour <laughs> was going to be for me like, hey, buddy cops. This is the template that you base it off of. Nay. Rush Hour. Rush Hour 2. I love you. Personal connection. This relationship between these two strangers who don't know each other and over the course of the movie become the best of friends. <laughs> ah, it's my favorite. It's 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 so good. Ricky, I think it's time we move to the next segment. I'm going to count to three. There will not be a four. One, uh, oh, oh, two, oh, okay, I, uh, three... Uh, the Head Cannon! The part of the show where we share with you unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. <sighs> it was really nerve wracking. <laughs> so, my biggest piece of headcanon uh, with this movie, uh, especially since they reference Arnold Schwarzenegger mm. uh, in the movie, is that this movie does take place in the same universe as Last Action Hero. Whoa, I like it. Yeah. yeah. So which which world are they in? Since they know about Schwarzenegger, that means they're in our world? Yeah. All right, all right. Which means Die Hard is a documentary. <laughs> and how'd they get those angles? <laughs> 80s technology. High tech, you know? I gotta be honest, Ricky. I'm shocked that uh, you didn't connect this to Family Matters. Oh, Grayson. You know what? I I did, but I didn't. I thought it was too on the nose. But that's dumb for me, because that's all... I feel like I'm 90% just on the nose. Just because they're, they're both cops, right? Well, here's the thing. I thought it was so interesting. Reginald Val Johnson got Die Hard a year before uh, Family Matters aired. Mm. Okay. Um, and so he was this cop first, and then that cop later. Oh. Uh, and if you are watching... Family Matters, which you can watch all of in its entirety on Hulu uh, using our promo code hulu.com forward slash flashback flicks, a thing that I wish existed. Um, <laughs> you will realize. Like, is this is how you tell me? <laughs> you got my hopes up so desperately high. <laughs> it is devastating to come oh, down from that roller coaster. So sorry. Um, you'll see that the early episodes of Family Matter really did focus on the Winslow family outside of Urkel. Urkel didn't even show up in, like, the first several episodes. It's all about, um, Carl Winslow adjusting to his mother moving in with them, um, and kind of becoming more of a, um, an expanded family. And all the matters of that. But, yeah, I, but... I think that um, in order for this movie to work in Family Matters, like canonically, um, his first son would have to have been Eddie, um, who is a teenager by the time that Family Matters does start. So this would have to put this movie uh, in the 70s mm. um, instead of the 80s. And so that's, I think, the main reason why. Uh, but that's only because I know too much about family matters. Yeah. No, because uh, they're I knew, expecting their first kid. I knew just enough to be like, oh, Reginald and cops, family matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can. I had this idea for my head cannon when John McClane crawls into the AC vents. I was like, I've seen this somewhere before. And I got this idea stuck in my head that John McClane 
is the grown-up version of John Bender from The Breakfast Club. So then when Vernon shows up as the chief of police, I my eyes could not have grown any wider because uh, I totally forgot he was in yes. it. I was like, are you kidding me? This either destroys or <laughs> confirms my headcanon. And I chose to let it confirm it. So here's my evidence towards that that thesis. Yes. So <laughs> John Bender, he's crawling through the AC vents. The para- it's mostly through parallels. He makes jokes like Bender does. Uh, he smokes like Bender does. Uh, and the reason his name is John McClane and not John Bender is because we know John Bender had a terrible relationship with his father. Now, we know that both characters have problems with authority. That is demonstrated in, in these films. Um, we both know they have expertise in tampering with doors. That's demonstrated in these films. Uh, and in Breakfast Club, you'll remember the brief scene where John Bender lights his shoe on fire as foreshadowing for the barefootedness of John McClane. There's also the, the giant scar that's on John McClane's arm. Could also be uh, further repercussions from his violent upbringing. Um, now, when Vernon showed up, I was like, oh my gosh, he's he's going against the same authority figure from when he was in high school. If Bender became McLean and kind of got his life on track, moved from Chicago to New York and became a, an officer and like harnessed that for good, then what was Vernon doing? Like, how did he become chief of police? And my thought is that Vernon was police back when he was working at the school because he was there on an undercover mission, which is why there is that scene in the breakfast club where he's going through all of the confidential records and he gets spotted by the janitor. So Vernon was an undercover cop posing as one of the school's leadership so he could keep tabs on things. Bender grows up, becomes a cop, becomes John McClane. I realize that he says he's been a cop for 11 years in this movie, but I'm just going to chalk this up to like a Hogarth gazer beam thing and uh, say that, you know what? I I choose to make it work or that Die Hard isn't necessarily in the late eighties, but is intended to be slightly in the future, which is why they make a big deal out of some of the, at the time, futuristic technology. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's the heart of it. John Bender is John McClane and Vernon was undercover, uh, before be stepping back, uh, into the, the forest to be a police chief in uh, Los Angeles. And I will only call him Vernon as I have not looked up his real name. Uh, Paul Gleason. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going through his IMDb to see if I could, uh, tie in any other headcanon uh, i couldn't yours is so uh it's so tight it has seven locks and an electromagnetic lock at the end that can only be shut off once the fbi cuts the power off of the whole grid uh so very well done all right now we're gonna go into the part of the segment where we talk about recasts and remakes recast remake yippee Kai remake mr falcon uh if this movie were to be remade today who would you cast, and what would the storyline be? I would love it. 
love it if this movie were to be remade with the following cast. Jeremy Renner. Um, mm. I know he already does action stuff. I know he was in Born Legacy. Uh, but he's one of the people who I just thought would look good in a messy uh, undershirt. And uh, <laughs> I I also wanted Jake Johnson in there uh, just for unrelated reasons. But I think that that would be a fun remake if um, if they had, you know, Jeremy Renner. Because it would answer the question, where was Hawkeye during Infinity War? He was playing tag. We know that. He was just off playing tag. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I forgot about that. That was the, that was the after 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 credit scene. So for Argyle, Lamorne Morris, who yeah. else? Yeah. Um, for Hans Gruber, originally I thought Nicolas Cage, mm. um, but then I wanted to save that for the National Treasure Die Hard, you know, sure. spinoff that we're gonna make. Um, yeah. Then I thought Christian Bale. Oh, I would Hans love Christian yeah. Bale to, yeah. And his audition tape um, was really good. The one where he was like, "Oh, good for you." <laughs> yeah, he was auditioning. I think that's I, what he was doing. I think that that was, uh, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then uh, Sergeant Al Powell, originally played by uh, Reginald Val Johnson, uh, played by none other than Jordan Peele. Mm. I love that. Oh, and then for the skyscraper, the, the rock. Sure. They're just climbing on top of him. Uh, for John McClane, I, I like the idea of Jake Gyllenhaal for some reason. Um, Ooh. I can see that. Yeah. I feel like it's been a while since he did something more action-based. For Hans Gruber, Benedict Cumberbatch, because he can do the Alan Rickman voice. Uh, if you've seen him on talk shows, <laughs> it's insane. Um, and I, I love nice. your casting for Al. I, I would keep that exactly where it is. Thank you. And if I had to remake it, it would probably be um, a skyscraper that went down into the earth. It's like <laughs> a 40-story basement, you know? And, you, I mean, it just adds all these new problems, like floods. Yep. And what if there's an earthquake? Man. Yeah. You know, it's like the same as before, but reversed. Yeah, and then it would be called Die Hard colon 60 feet under. Oh, that's good. Or if we really want to follow yeah. the the sequel remake formula, the skyscraper goes on vacation to the jungle. <laughs> What's this metropolitan architecture doing in the jungle? You know, you got... You know, animals that can talk, <laughs> things like that. And it's called Urban Jungle. Uh, there you go. It's called Urban Jungle. That's the one. That's the one. All right. Now we're going to go into our final segment where we share with you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you recommend the movie Die Hard? It really... Based on the novel Push by Sapphire. Sorry, sure. Based on the novel Push Him Out the Window by Sapphire. Um, <laughs> I would recommend Die Hard uh, because of its construction, really. And I'm not just talking about the building. Hey but the setups and payoffs are so uh, important in this. And they feel like just the right amount of peppered in. Everything from the explanation as to why he has his shoes off to the picture being laid down. Even the, th the watch. I feel like that's the most understated setup and payoff. We're like, like she closed a big deal. We got her a Rolex. And then the like scene that is at the climax of that movie with Hans Gruber is like they take the watch off. 
Uh, it's it's uh, wonderful and symbolic, and it, it's there's so many like layers, and I'm not just talking about the building built into Hey-oh! this. <laughs> dang it, uh, built into this movie, and uh, I mean they took a chance on casting it with someone who had mostly been comedy, and instead of shying away from his comedy background, uh, they used it. And they made the character so much more interesting. I just really like the way that they build John McClane's character. I recommend it for that. I recommend it for Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber. Alan Rickman is fantastic. And it's crazy to me that this was only his fourth day in L.A. to get cast. Because uh, it he plays the role like a seasoned veteran in the business. I recommend Die Hard because the time that you spend watching it. And it is a long movie. I think it was like two hours and 12 minutes. Totally yeah. worth it. Yeah. I, I would recommend Die Hard because I almost exclusively just for the relationship between John McClane uh, and uh, Sergeant Al, um, their relationship is so great. I didn't know how much I loved it until they were just talking to each other over the intercom and they're having this conversation, even though they know the bad guys are listening in too, but they are like having a heart to heart moment in the midst of all this. And I'm just like, like, I don't know. It's the thing that I just started rooting for them, but like, I just wanted both of them to just get out safely um, because Mm. I connected to them as characters. So that alone is worth the rental or the purchasing of the DVD. I would recommend this movie largely because it's an action movie with a ton of heart. And I think that Die Hard has kind of grown to be this legacy of like the super macho, explosion-y, gunny movie. But you don't have any of that without the story of a, a off-duty cop who's trying to save his marriage and also a heist is in the setting of that like it's it's just so well done and crafted so well that they know how to tell that first story about this relationship between this guy and his wife first and then tell everything else on top of that. And I think that that's so, so cool and something that you don't really see a lot in a lot of movies now. Um, so I think that that's, yeah. that's really worth watching Die Hard. And if you're into costume design, there's a lot to sink your teeth into here with like the very oh, minimal man. costume with Bruce Willis. And then they call out the fine suits with Hans Gruber and his team. Um, but I think the real star are the the pants suits that they wear to the party. Um, I mean, not since, uh, you know, Jennifer Connelly's dress in The Rocketeer have we really seen uh, such stunning uh, formal wear. It's Stunning. It's just, uh, I mean, it takes your breath away. That's really what I remember from the movie. Shoulder pads. Yeah. <laughs> And that is our review of Die Hard, Mr. Falcon. Let us know what you love and remember about Die Hard on Twitter. We are at Flashback Flicks. We'd love to talk to you over there and reminisce about, um, you know, your first time watching Die Hard and all the different things you noticed when you watched it again. Uh, And it would mean a ton to us if you could be like our most recent reviewer, Mr. Corey, uh, and leave us a review. Uh, It really helps the show out uh, wherever you listen to this podcast. Uh, Leave a review and let people know um, on a scale of one to five, 
Applebee's? <laughs> On a scale of one to five giant teddy bears, um, mm-hmm. how would you rate this movie? Um, five giant teddy bears fills the limo. Um, one just sits in the back seat next to Argyle, <laughs> which is still a pretty good time, if it's you ask me. It's still pretty good. It's still pretty good. (laughs) And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. We ask you to take a chance, take a chance, take a chance, take a chance on... The 2008 movie musical Mamma Mia. That's all I got.